0: Unfortunately, I couldn't bring along the smells as well. (laughs) You might not appreciate that, though. So it's a fishing area, so there's lots of fish if you like fish. Um, We partner with a local church. You saw the pastor at the very end of the video, and uh, their vision is to use health and education, and so we do a lot of ministries in the areas of health and education, in hopes to uh, create uh, relationships where they are interested in sitting and reading the gospel with us. And so we do a lot of chronological storying, reading stories, Bible stories with people. And uh, our hope is that people get to experience the love and the truth and the power of Jesus, because we know that is what transforms people's lives. If we can just bring them into his presence, uh, he'll transform them, and they will want to be in allegiance with him. And so uh, that's uh, in a nutshell what we're doing. And I will uh, share a couple stories of how God has shown up through his love, demonstrating his power, and uh, in in making his truth known to the Senegalese people that we work with. Um, But it was a tough decision on which stories to share with you. Uh, Lots of people ask us a big general question, how's it going in Senegal? And I don't know where to begin, because sometimes I feel like the boy whose mom packed him a lunch in the morning of five loaves and two fish, and then his mom sent him out. And uh, if you know the story of John 6, Jesus feeds uh, thousands of people with one boy's lunch. Can you imagine him coming home in the evening, and his mom asks him, how was lunch? (laughs) What would you do with your lunch? Uh, Well... God has done some amazing things with the five loaves and two fish that uh, my wife and I have brought to the table in Senegal and uh, that the other believers there are bringing to the table and he's multiplying and doing lots of things. So I've chosen three stories that I want to tell you about. And the first one is about the young man that you saw in this video who starts the narration of the video. And he describes the situation for these street boys. He knows these, the, this very well because he lived as one himself. When he was a young boy, his father gave him to a religious teacher to study the Quran, the Quran in the Quranic school. And uh, because of the uh, challenges of that situation, the abuses of the system, he became disillusioned and discouraged very quickly. And he knew he had to leave. Uh, but he knew he couldn't go home because if he had gone home, it would have brought too too much shame on his family, and his father would have just returned him to the religious teacher, and his situation would have been worse for him. And so instead, he ran away to the the streets of the capital city, Dakar. And in that city uh, of millions of people, he could get lost on the streets, uh, but that brought a whole new series of problems for him. And uh, after meeting some of the other street boys... Uh, one of them introduced him at a center where he could get a, a meal and, and uh, a shower. But uh, before he arrived, apparently his reputation of, for violence had preceded him. And they really didn't want to let him in. He had to do a lot of convincing to let, the, him, uh, let them open the doors to let him come in. Uh, and so he would go there repeatedly. He heard uh, one of the conditions was to listen to the stories of Jesus. And each time they told these stories of Jesus, uh, he found himself getting stirred up even more angry inside than he had been before. And he didn't know why, but this uh, was not sitting well with him every time he had to listen to these stories. And he created all sorts of problems there. Uh, One day, the older woman, the missionary who uh, directed that center, pulled him aside to ask him, What's going on? What's, what's your story? And uh, she sat down and listened as he told him her his story, uh, how he grew up, how his father gave him to a religious teacher, and how he ended up on the streets of Dakar. And she was so moved by the pain that he had gone through, uh, by the difficulties that she broke down in tears for him. He didn't understand this. This didn't fit into his uh, economy. Uh, why would somebody that he caused so much, so many problems for, why, why could she care for him like that? Uh, this was obviously the love of Jesus, and, and this really impacted him. Uh, not long after that, one weekend he was on the streets, still living on the streets, and uh, he hadn't eaten all weekend. This was a Sunday evening. He couldn't go to sleep. He was tossing and struggling, thinking about these stories that kept coming back to his mind about Jesus. And uh, so he said, you know what, Jesus, if you're real, why don't you show up and bring me a meal? (laughs) Uh, He was really hungry. And so uh, within the hour, a friend of his, in fact, I think it was the one who introduced him to the center in the first place a couple years earlier, uh, showed up with uh, an old cloth. And inside that cloth wrapped up was a, a little bit of food for him. And he knew this was Jesus himself showing up, giving him a meal. He knew that Jesus loved him enough to show up and answer his question. And he knew he had to accept the truth of the stories that he had been hearing. Uh, To make a long story short, he ended up uh, going to another center where he was able to be trained in a trade and he became a carpenter. And... And now he's joined us at our vocational training school, the one that you saw in the video there. And he is, uh, he's learning to be a mechanic along with the students. And he's staying one step ahead of our students and teaching them, translating, uh, and, and helping them understand the curriculum. He's a, part, a significant part of their discipleship as well as we tell Bible stories every day. And uh, he's been so transformed by the love of Jesus through this woman, through the, the investment of others to give him a trade... Uh, that he now wants to pour into other young people and and so that they may know Jesus and so they may have a trade of, of being auto mechanics as well every afternoon too uh, he 's become a, a a famous person in our neighborhood as all the young kids the street kids uh, know that he loves on them as well, and they 'll come after school. And he'll open the doors to our, our, our center there where he will play basketball, tell more Jesus stories, and, and just love on those kids. He can't help it. The love of Jesus has transformed his heart in such a tremendous way that it just overflows, and he's loving on the kids in our neighborhood. He's one of my heroes. Uh, but we enjoy seeing how God has shaped his heart through his love and how he's loving other kids in our neighborhood. I want to tell you about another young man I know. He's the one who made all the windows in that vocational training school as well. Uh, Well, he he made all but three of them. Uh, (laughs) He came up short, and uh, I've been calling him since to ask him to bring his three windows that I'm missing. And at first I was really, really frustrated. It's so hard to get stuff done sometimes. And, uh, and And then God's prompting said, instead of just calling him and getting empty promises, why don't you go visit him? And so I took the opportunity to start visiting him. And uh, on my way somewhere else, I would often just stop and spend a few minutes there, ask him how business is, ask him if there's anything I could pray for. And I spent a lot of time talking with him over a, a number of visits. Uh, I was there when uh, his, his child was given a name at a big celebration on the eighth day after the baby was born. I was there... Two weeks later, when this baby passed away for the funeral, uh, I was there to, to pray for his business, and, and I could tell that this really perplexed him because uh, not only was I not saying bad things about this person who hadn't fulfilled his commitment and had uh, probably misspent the money I gave him as an advance for the windows, uh, in fact, I was praying for his business to do better, and I was praying for uh, God to bring new customers, too. Uh, Part of that was so that he would have money to make my windows, but <laughs> I really did care about him too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the honesty comes out. So um, I remember one particular conversation. We we were able to get in some very deep conversations about spiritual things very often. And uh, one time, uh, as I was sitting with him, he he asked me, "Do you believe in all the prophets?" I don't know if you have people ask you that, but that was a new one for me. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, uh, all the prophets come. And uh, he took the hat off of his apprentice, and he put it out in front of me. He said, they come with some of the, the, the truth of God, some of the message of God. And they leave it for us, and then they pass on. And so this made sense in a place where you don't have assurance of, uh, of the path, the right way to God, uh, that you would want to gather all of the truth from all of the prophets, from all of the places that you could imagine. And I could see that he had been hanging on to some pieces uh, from Hinduism and Buddhism, even though he's a Muslim man, from everywhere. And so now he's asking me, what is unique about my faith? What is it about Jesus? And I say to him, you know, uh, I pick up the hat And I say, you know, the unique thing about Jesus is that he not only claimed to bring the message, but he can't claim to be the message. And so he said, so where is Jesus? I said, well, he died, he was raised again, and he sits at the right hand of his father in heaven. He said, so he's not here. The implication being, if he's not here, then we can't have the message because he is the message and he's not here. And I said, well... He promised before he left that he would send his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live in all of those and be with all of those who follow him and have a relationship with him through uh, uh, through Jesus. And he said, "You have that Holy Spirit in you, don't you?" I said, "Yes, I do." And then he said, "Can you give him to me?" (laughs) I said, "Yes, I can." Let's talk some more about that. And we had a wonderful conversation. Uh, But God's truth is transforming people's hearts in Senegal. Uh, And I'd ask you to pray not only that uh, God's love would continue to transform hearts, but that God's truth would continue to transform hearts in northern Senegal. The third story I want to tell you is about another tradesman. um, And part of the reason I know... A lot of different tradesmen is uh, because uh, I was able to um, oversee the construction of that vocational training school uh, and got to know lots of plumbers, masons, electricians and everything. Uh, but I think another reason that I know a lot of uh, tradesmen is because something seems to break in my house every, <laughs> every week. So <laughs> this one uh, carpenter that I know, he was coming out of our medical clinic. We have two medical clinics in the city. Uh, well, one in the city and one in the village uh, where we treat all sorts of things. And this, this uh, carpenter was coming out with a friend of his who works in the same carpenter's union with him. And the man who was uh, sick was hanging on the shoulder of my friend. And I could tell he was very sick. And they were headed somewhere else to get some lab tests and things that we don't offer at our clinic. And they stopped as I was entering and asked me, is there any way I could help with that? I knew this was a primarily a financial question, but uh, I offered to pray for them in Jesus' name. And people are very open to spiritual things, and people love being blessed, uh, particularly by people that they think are connected to God in, a, in unique ways. And... Uh, and I've had a long-standing relationship with this carpenter and demonstrated my faith to him before. And so they readily accepted the blessing. And I said, uh, I'll pray for Jesus to heal you. And knowing that he's the healer, uh, he's the source of healing, and I would love to pray for you. And so they accepted that. Um, After that, I also said, once you get the test results, come back and see me. I'd love to see if there's anything I could do to help. And to, to give you a little background, uh, to for, for this story um, about five years ago uh, about five years ago my wife Michelle was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and uh, she's on a few medications one of them is an immunosuppressant and in our setting in Senegal the biggest risk to that is tuberculosis um, <clears throat> and so all along though I didn't no, as I developed this relationship with this man, I didn't know what his illness was, what his di- diagnosis was. One day, um, he shows up at my gate. I don't know how he got there. Uh, it was quite a walk from his house, maybe a couple miles, one or two miles. And he was, at, by this point, uh, getting sicker and sicker almost daily. And he was thin as a rail. And although he's a black man, his skin looked pasty, chalky, almost white. And I thought, uh, I'm not a medical professional, but I I really thought he didn't have much time left. I invited him in. I um, said, please sit down. He he was exhausted. He rested there for a while. I gave him a drink. And and then we talked some more. And I was able to pray with him, Uh, again, in Jesus' name, for his healing. And uh, over the course of time, I had many opportunities to visit him at his home and, uh, and pray for him. And, and then one day, um, well, I hadn't seen him for a while. I had been traveling, and so it may have been a month went by, and I went to visit him, and his family told me that he wasn't there. And that was kind of like the blanket statement that uh, you can give when you don't want to tell somebody where the person is. And so I didn't know if that was the cultural answer because he was out doing something, which would have been a good thing uh, because up to that point or recently he had been housebound. And that would be a good sign if he were out uh, out for a walk or something. But the other th- a possibility would, could have been that he had passed away and they didn't want to tell me. And so I didn't know. Uh, and I called him several times that next week. And wasn't able to connect with him. And finally I was. And he answered the phone. I was so happy. Uh, He had been out for a walk. And by that point he was starting to work again. And now he's back. Uh, He says he's 100% working as a carpenter. Uh, And it was tuberculosis that he had. And God had healed him. And we praise God for his power. The power to heal. And uh, we praise God for the power to protect our family too. Uh, He had been in my living room. And God protected our family. God is uh, making his love and his truth and his power known to the northern Senegalese. And uh, he wants many to come into allegiance with him. And we are just uh, blessed to participate with him in that. Uh, I don't think that uh, we're that amazing. Uh, well, let me correct that statement. I do think that my wife is very amazing. And, uh, but I don't know that we bring a whole lot to the table right? Uh, And I don't know that I have very many loaves or fish, but God ends up doing some amazing things when we walk in obedience and do what he asks us. And so uh, my encouragement to you this morning is that you would offer up your five loaves and two fish uh, if you have experienced any of the love of Jesus, if you know any of the truth of Jesus, and if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you have any of the power of Jesus, is, it, is God asking you to share any of that with anyone this week? Um, and and don't, don't start thinking about how many loaves and fish. Don't compare what, where you are in your first faith journey. Uh, stop counting your fish. <laughs> you don't have to have it all together. If you have any of those three things, and God asks you to offer it to others, go ahead and do that. He can do amazing things with, those, those, uh, with your obedience. As you think about maybe uh, who God would want you to offer his love and his truth and his power to, I want us to take a look at uh, the scripture where Jesus commissions his disciples uh, to and us to participate in his father's mission. Does anybody know where, where we might be headed? Where does Jesus commission his disciples to follow him and be a part of sharing His mission with others? Matthew 28, yes. Uh, this is the most well-known great commission passage, but this message is so important that it's in all four gospels. And uh, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24 and John 20. And so this morning we're going to take a look at John 20. And as is uh, custom here at Risen King, I'd like us to read this together from John 20. Uh, Wait a second, one more thing. Before we tackle that, uh, the context of this is just after Jesus was raised from the dead. And he's already appeared to Mary, and he's told the disciples about, uh, she has told the disciples that Jesus is alive But you'll notice from this passage that they don't totally believe it yet. All right? So let's let's read John 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. If you remember, the disciples were uh, in this room, and they could have been arrested with Jesus. And it's clear that they're afraid here. Uh, They they may have been thinking, "What have we spent our last three years of the last three years of our lives doing? Was it a waste? What happened? This didn't turn out the way we expected." And he shows up at this moment, and clearly surprises them to the point that he needs to say, peace be with you, relax, guys, it's okay. But also, this shifted them from fear to joy. They were overwhelmed with joy. And that is the same joy that we can hold on to today because of what Jesus did on the cross and that he rose again. We know that there is a victory, right? Um, The beautiful thing is that God has told us the end of the story, (laughs) We get to cheat and read Revelation and we know that uh, there is ultimate victory as we, if we are on God's side, if we're on the side of Jesus. And so at this moment they shift from fear to joy and they realize that he's alive and, and with that the victory has been sealed and I want us to, to remember that and celebrate that and in fact, this is so important, I want us to say this again. Jesus is alive. Can you say that with me? Jesus, Jesus is alive. alive. One more time. Jesus, Jesus is alive. Is, this is what we... Uh, what is our, our, our meaning, our purpose, our, 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 the whole thing that motivates us to get up in the morning. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says, Without this resurrection... This all would be a waste. And it's this resurrection that has sealed the victory. And we celebrate that with the disciples. And, and Jesus then goes on to, to, to ask his disciples to participate in this with him. In his mission. And so we need to know what is the father's mission. Do you know what the father's mission is? We need to know what it is if we're going to join it in with him. And so I want to think back to Genesis. When God created this place, he created the water, he created the earth, he created everything that humans needed in advance. He gave them purpose and meaning, and he walked in intimate relationship with them on a regular, ba- uh, daily basis. And what did Adam and Eve do? What happened? They messed it up. They messed it up. And when they messed it up, what did they do? They ran and hid. It was God who decided to pursue them. They didn't turn around and repent and ask for reconciliation of the relationship. It was God who initiated the, 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 the solution to the problem. He pursued us. He still pursues us to today. He pursues every individual. He wants us to know him. And he provided at first it was a a sacrifice he gave clothes he made the first animal sacrifice and gave clothes to Adam and Eve and they wore those skins and today uh, people still repeat this sacrifice in Senegal Uh, people still offer a a sacrifice of a lamb every year casting their sins on it they put the hand on, on the father as the father slits the throat and they hope that that covers why do they have to do it every year because they don't know that Jesus paid the final sacrifice, that his blood is enough to cover all sins for all eternity, and that one sacrifice is enough, and we don't need to redo that sacrifice every year. This message, this gospel, his mission is just that simple. It's the creation, the fall, the reconciliation, and restoration. And Jesus, at this pivotal moment, turns to his disciples, and by extension, he's saying this to us as his followers. Uh, so, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, who wants to be a part of that? I want to be a part of that. Now, maybe you're not raising your hand because this is a little intimidating. And if I look at who I am, uh, if this mission rep- respond- depends on me, then there's no way it's going to happen. and uh, But that's why he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. We need this Holy Spirit to accomplish it, to be even a participant in his mission. And if you think about what the disciples go on to do, there's no way they could have done all those amazing things that we read about in Acts without that power of the Holy Spirit. Yet Jesus wants... That all should know this story. And he asks us to join in it. And 2 Peter 3 9 says he doesn't want that anyone be lost, he wants all to be saved. And we get an opportunity, we get the privilege to join in him and offer up the five loaves or two fish or whatever you have as he asks, and he'll multiply it. He'll do his work. He just asks us to be obedient. This is an extraordinary mission that he calls us to. And we do get to see some extraordinary things. Uh, the stories that I've told you are pretty, pretty neat. Uh, God does that, though. Uh, when we offer up through obedience what we have, it's a byproduct of obedience. It's not the goal. And so I want to ask you again, is God asking you, is there someone that, that you can love Is there someone that he's asking you to share one Bible verse or one story, a piece of his truth to? Or is there someone who seems that their circumstances are so overwhelming that only some miraculous thing would would be able to break in? And they they need the power of Jesus. Can you pray for them this week? I want everyone to encounter the love and the truth and the power of Jesus. And we know this is God's heart as well. And so I ask uh, if you uh, believe that you are invited into this and you know that you can't do this and you want more of the Holy Spirit because he says, ask, and it will be given to you. That I would love to pray for you. Just stick out your hand if that's a, a condition of your heart, if that's something that you would like. And Father, I ask that you fill us again with your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you invite us into your mission to join you in it. And we thank you that this is ultimately uh, your love and your truth and your power uh, that draws people. It's not on us or anything that we offer. But we thank you for first demonstrating those things to us so that we can offer those to others. So, Jesus, we ask, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may be a testimony to you. And bless us again. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you. We, uh, we really love Brian and Michelle so much, and their family is so precious to us. And this work that they're doing uh, in Senegal, you can see that though the impact... Immediate is to a small group of young men. Long term, it could change the entire society. This is a big and wonderful strategy. Um, We as a church are a part of their mission. Their mission uh, is overseen by our denomination, uh, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, There's only two ways to get missionaries to the field either the missionaries themselves have to raise um, their funds, their, their ministry support, or else we, the local church, uh, take up the responsibility of getting them to the, to the field, supplying them on the field, and making sure that they have the finances so that they can respond to any possible projects. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I see uh, a training school where people are learning how to repair cars, how to do carpentry, how to do these things. And then in that, they're also experiencing the life of Christ in the lives of the teachers, and the people are sharing the stories of Christ with them. I just think that is the greatest way to do missions. I, I just absolutely, any part of the world I've been in where I've seen that, I just, I think it works so well. Because a lot of religious training has nothing to do with giving you a skill to actually make it in life. And so when you say that life is, is spiritual and it includes every aspect of your life, you're really giving them a whole life transformation. And the gospel begins to not just be good news for when you die, but good news for right now. And uh, I, I, I just get thrilled when I see stuff like that. I want to get behind that. And uh, God is doing, for as, as much as we see the bad news in parts of the world, God is doing some amazing things behind the scenes. There are more Muslim believers uh, occurring now than you can even imagine. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands that are, that are coming to Jesus. But there's no news of that because they keep, have to kind of keep it quiet. But there's a move of the spirit that's just powerful throughout the Middle East, throughout Africa. And it's it's a wonderful thing to behold. And we get to be a part of that. So today, we, we, we call this Great Commission Sunday. And we're doing two offerings. I know this is going to be complicated, but it's two offerings. That's why there are two baskets. Now, the big basket is for my salary. The little basket is for Brian's salary. <laughs> just, to, just to keep it clear, all right? So you might want to put more in the little basket today. I don't know. But here's our thought is that if you, perhaps you didn't come prepared to give, but you see how God is working and, uh, and, and you want to give what you have, uh, we're, that small basket is going to go directly to the mission that oversees the work that Brian and Michelle do. It's going to go to our denominational offices. It's, it's, it'll be our specific today-only offering type thing. But we give to the Great Commission all during the year. And uh, even if you go on our website where, where you can give online, there's a pull-down menu, and it says Great Commission Fund. And you can, being moved by what you saw today, you can go online and you can give a gift for them as well. And, uh, and God will use that richly. So would you come now as an act of worship? If you have your tithes and your offerings, put that in the larger basket. If you have some that you want to give specifically, either a check or whatever it is, you just write it out to Risen King. We'll make sure it gets to the right place. Would you come and bring your offering right now? Thank you for uh, thank you for giving. Thank you for being here today. Will you stand with me and we'll we'll close in prayer? I I can't I can't help but but you know, when a life dedicated to God like like the Davises, their family, their life, their personal lives, when they share that with us, uh, I can't help but remember how even as a child listening to that is what drew me to give my life full-time to Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't just the message. It was the messengers. And uh, I, I remember uh, the first time I ever heard as a kid about missions in Africa. I was both inspired and scared to death. Um, you know, the thought of living in some place that was so different from what I grew up with and, and with culture that was different. But there was also something about it even as a kid that my heart just went lord if if you have that for me i want to do it so i don't want you to miss out today it's not really about the money it's really about the lord speaking through brian to you and saying what has god given you as your mission what is your assignment maybe it's bigger than what you're living right now maybe it's it's time right now to say lord Wherever you want to send me, I want to go. And whatever and however you want to use me, I want you to use me. Uh, whether that means locally or globally, just to be open to the Spirit of God, who I believe uses the lives of... Uh, he may not think He's amazing, but I think He's amazing. And so I believe God takes ordinary people, fills them with the Spirit, and makes us extraordinary. So I, I invite you today, don't, don't just let this be information. Let it be transformation in your life. Lord, we seal what you're doing. We're glad that you're still calling men and women and boys and girls. You're calling us to the ends of the earth and you're equipping us. You're resourcing us. You're empowering us. And at the same time, you're doing the same things right here in New York. The same truth transforms. The same love heals the same power brings signs and wonders and so Lord we thank you that it's the same Holy Spirit and we receive you afresh breathe on us breath of God for Jesus sake Amen. Please uh, hug a few people, spread the love around and we'll see you next week